When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From New York City Training, thoughts from Nick Cushing and newcomer Burke Risa. Nine games left and six points out of a playoff position. And Messi again. I'm Glenn Crooks along with Roberto Abramowitz on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. Tirecino y gol! Gol! New York City is el campeón de Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. All right, we're back in Orangeburg, New York. Uh, we're inside. It's raining outdoors, but uh, they got the training session in. And uh, I'm Glenn Crooks, Roberto Abramowitz. Uh, we are the English and Spanish voices on the commentary side, uh, respectively, for the New York City uh, Football Club. And, uh, Coming off this League's Cup break, uh, they went on the went to West Point, uh, the, the, to Austin for like a mini preseason. A lot of team bonding, uh, newcomers, and then Minnesota at City Field played well, lost again two nil, and uh, the inability to finish. Roberto, I, I, I suppose is once again the story of the match. Got a striker now, Munsef Bakrar had his chances, including one from. The uh, newcomer, Maxi Morales, who hit a wonderful ball to him. But uh, got a lot to talk about here. But I think you have to start with that once again. And it's, uh, I hate to be trite, but I guess it's the broken record syndrome. That's what we've been talking about all year. It, it is. And, and and I don't think anybody thought that, even though you're bringing in six players, that that's going to be a quick fix and that everything is going to be fine after that. I mean, history has taught us in this league that there were very, very few players that hit the ground running and are difference makers. The Zlatan Ibrahimovic's and the Lionel Messi of the world are few and far between. And for most players, it takes a while to adapt and to understand the league and understand the pace of the league and uh, get to know their teammates and then become effective yeah and uh you know i guess at new york city fans and and i mean i i can imagine coaches and everybody alike were hoping that it would be quicker than than it than it was against minnesota so uh now they've got to go on the road and uh play a tough fc cincinnati team albeit one that had to play 120 minutes last night in losing two inter miami and penalty kicks and if you're looking at Cincinnati, you can look at it one of two ways. The number one team in the league, as far as points is concerned, and the leader yep. for the Supporter Shield, or the team that has lost three games in a row. I, I don't know. I don't know if you need to look at it either way. I think you really have to focus on, on yourself and for New York City. And we'll get to that a little bit 
more to the Cincinnati uh, match. So Nick Cushing, uh, we spoke to Nick Cushing and uh, Burke Risa also was part of the presser uh, today after training. And Burke Risa was certainly uh, uh, a bright spot in this loss uh, for what he could do from his left central back position. And I'm sure you called it the same way when we saw those long diagonal balls uh, gently received by who was ever on the right side, Matias Pellegrini or or later uh, Fernandez. He um, they were important uh, changes of the point to really isolate these guys, especially a Fernandez who Nick Cushing said today, you know, he's just a kid that wants to get it to his feet and go one on one, you know, like a true winger. So the ability to play that ball, maybe that will spring Fernandez. I mean, there's a good chance we'll see a little bit more of him this week. Uh, absolutely. And, I mean, he's got a great touch. And, I mean, New York City is a team that likes to have the ball on one side, a couple of passes, and then switch the field all the time. Well, Burke Risa does that with his eyes closed. It, it is really great to see somebody who is so good on the ball that way and can pinpoint to pass 40 yards. That's not an easy thing to do. And he's able to do that. So that's going to open up opportunities. It did against Minnesota, probably. Problem is that they couldn't finish them, and you know it, it's as you said at the beginning, it's the same story almost every week, right? You create a gazillion chances, don't finish them, and then they get one, and it gets deflected, it goes over Barraza, and it's a goal. So right. uh, it's happened a couple of times already this year. You know, hopefully they can break it. Still nine games to go. It's a, the road is a little bit tougher now than it was a week ago because it was 10 games, four points difference. Now it's nine games and it's six points difference. So the margin of error is now even tighter for New York City. But if they can get a good result in Cincinnati, next two games are at home against Canadian foes, uh, Montreal and Vancouver. And uh, yeah. we'll see what happens there. Well, Chris Sikonis, who's part of uh, the English side uh, uh, of the broadcast, he hosts the halftime of the post game. He uh, he compiled uh, something, and we've seen different things compiled regarding how many points or how many wins New York City needs in order to qualify for the playoffs based on past performances in the league. So he looked at the last three years and the ninth place teams in either conference, and the range was 41 points to 47 points, which means before the Minnesota game, five wins, well, still now, five wins would be necessary to at least get at the lower part of that threshold. And you might even want a little bit more security than oh, that. Sure so, you do. And you're also trying to leapfrog four teams at this point, right. six, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, that's part of the issue as well. And then you have a team that's coming from behind that hasn't lost since a certain trio of uh, players from Barcelona decided to join the team. Yeah, no, that, that's for certain. But uh, before we leave Burke Risa, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about him. So I, the funniest thing he said uh, in his presser was that uh, as far as living in the New York City area, he said, uh, my wife's happy, so I'm happy. So <laughs> I think any of us that are married, uh, you know, have been through. Uh, yeah. If your wife's happy. Yes. What, what's the phrase? It's happy ha wife, happy life. That, right. That, that's, that's what I've been told. That's what I've been told. So uh, um, it's good that his uh, his wife is happy. And I thought and then he talked about he you know, he he thinks one of his uh, qualities and is is as a leader and, and being vocal. And he and he was very uh, happy with the team that they've made him feel comfortable in speaking his mind already. Check out this uh, uh, pregame huddle and this photo of uh, and that's Burke Risa leaning down, clapping and speaking. So this is I mean, this is his first start. He's really only been with the team since. 
they traveled to uh, Austin to play that friendly during that 16-day break after League's Cup. And uh, he's managed to uh, come in here and, and try to charge up the team before the game. I, I, I found that, uh, that photograph to be uh, uh, pretty interesting when I first saw it. I was like, wow, this guy's in there, you know, already i thought that might be halftime then i went back and no that's pregame that's pregame so so here's something funny or interesting i hope anyway uh i had my interview with uh andres perea and that's going to be on our pregame show um uh, on uh saturday another newcomer that we didn't even mention yeah and so andres uh speaking with him he said he was just absolutely impressed about the unity that this team has and how close they are and how well it gets the team gets along and even under the current circumstances which has them outside of the playoffs the, the unity level that they have has been really almost to him surprising and, and a positive way so i mean it, it just speaks volume of the culture of the team and that they're all pulling you know they're all pulling together obviously there's going to be disappointments and we understand. I mean, they brought in six new players. That means there's going to be a lot of players who are accustomed to seeing, or at least on the bench, that aren't going to be part of the the team anymore, or are going to be part of the team less than they are well, now. Well, well, let's say Maxime Cheneau is one. I mean, he was the captain in the previous matches. Uh, ever since James Sands left on international duty, and and Cheneau, you know, wore the captain's armband as a as a as he was playing as well. And so he, uh, he, he did not play uh, in favor of Burke Risa and Tiago Martins uh, wore the uh, captain's armband. So we yeah. can, we can lose that photo Shane and that, you know, because we want to see the close up of Roberto. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> the photo's better. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, radio, remember. I mean, that's uh, that's an example. Another example is uh, Stephen Turnbull walking past us at the training facility today on his way to NYCFC two training where he spent all of last year. And that's how he earned uh, a first team contract this year. That's part of the reason uh, is how uh, successful he was there, but also the team needed uh, depth at right back in, uh, in a certain stage of the season, and, and he was the choice. Gabe Siegel playing a full match with NYCFC two recently, mm-hmm. and so uh, Nico Benalcazar. You know, he's also over there more full time than he is with the senior team right now. Uh, none of that trio training with the squad today. So, yeah, so guys that have been contributing, uh, and they all three of those contributed in positive ways at yeah. one time or another, are um, you know back playing for two. Yeah, and, and and that's the way it is, right? I mean, had I'm not blaming them, okay, but had the team had much better results and weren't in the situation that they are now, maybe they don't bring in six players and these guys continue to to contribute. But you know, it also gives them a chance to work on their game and to improve and to uh, fight for positions next year, be it here or someplace else. So Nick Cushing, uh, he uh, was disappointed for a a number of reasons against Minnesota. One is that uh, Reynoso is the key guy you have to stop for Minnesota. I think everybody um, around the league knows that. And uh, with the help of James Sands in particular, 
New York City really put the clamps on him. I mean, yeah. it had very little impact on the game. Timu Puki was invisible. He he had, and he was another guy that the they they wanted to focus on and make sure that he didn't get any clean shots because he's a good finisher. Mm-hmm. And then Longwane uh, got injured very early in the game, so he, he ended up not being uh, impactful. But that was another uh, player that they were focused on, the leading scorer for Minnesota. That's the guy that had 15 goals all competitions yeah. coming in and. Uh, unfortunately, um, he went down early. But then Jan Gregush comes in for him and ends up scoring the game-winning goal on the deflection off of James Sands. So yeah, it was go. an unfortunate. It's the second yeah. time this year that an identical goal, really, yeah. that a shot from outside the box hits a defender and goes over Luis Barraza. So I'm um, looking at uh, Bebelo Reynoso's numbers. Uh, he had 58 touches. He had 40% successful dribbles, whatever that means, two out of five. Uh, accurate crosses, two out of three. Accurate long balls, two out of three. He took two corners. He was dispossessed a couple of times. He had an interception, two recoveries, and one chance created. He had 31 out of 37 passes that were accurate in 68 minutes, and they pulled him out of the game. All right. Well, the chances created. I mean, that's he's one of the best chance creators oh, yeah. in the league. And the fact that only one was created, I think, uh, speaks well to New York City FC. So, uh, Roberto, it's you know, the, the, it the, it's sitting right in front of us. Nine games to play, uh, six points off the pace, and it, it's it's going to be a difficult proposition considering the fact that you have to you have to move past some of these other sides. But uh, you know. I think every time we've had a chance to talk to Nick or the, or the players, and I think you've already iterated it, it it's, it's interesting that around here, because we've been here since the start, and I can tell you that we've come to the training facility in years past at times when it hasn't been going well, and you can tell by looking out at training and, and yeah. maybe body language and things like that, you really – I. I don't sense anything when we're up here that, you know, it's only one win in 16. I mean, that's that's the fact. One yeah. win in 16. Well, two that's if you want to well, two if you want to consider Toronto in the in the uh in the league's I, I meant MLS game, okay. so right, I do right, I so. do mean MLS, so. But uh yeah, and you look at you can look at it from two ways. I mean, I like to look at it from the, from a positive way, which is the the team is together, they're engaged, they want to win. You know that they're disappointed after the game because you see them after the game. Sometimes we see them if we get a chance to go down to the locker room. Sometimes we run into them in the parking lot. If it's an away game, we definitely see them, you know, on the plane and. Um, you know, we get to talk to them, and we, the, the disappointment is there. They care. They really care. They, they're they very disappointed, but they're able to get over it and then put in a positive, you know, performance and practice. And, you know, it, it speaks volumes in a good way. You, the last thing you want to see, okay, and, and I know that a lot of people think this way, that the team should somehow, everybody should be fighting with each other or really being upset or moping or, or yelling and that that's the only way that things should be. No, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't have to be that way. And you can tell. I mean, the performance is a positive. Sadly, the results aren't positive. So, But the team is going out there. They're, you can see the effort. N- nobody's dogging it. Uh, there aren't that many problems that way. You don't see any of those things. And I think that that speaks volumes for the team. Also, there's, there really hasn't been a game, and, and Nick mentioned it earlier today. There's no game that this, this team has been blown out. No. That's not happening. And I, I think the way Burke Reese, uh, um, one of the newcomers, uh, 
the way he positioned it is that he is he is comfortable already to to speak his mind about things and i think you have to place demands on each other there's accountability but i i was just reading a book it's a golf book but it was the psychological aspect of it and uh and golfers just go through these ups and downs and within a round you know bad shot whatever it is and this one golfer the way he put it was attitude is gratitude and it was just like anytime i i get down or start feeling almost sorry for myself or or just you know in in somewhere in a negative way i just remember and and think how grateful i should be that i can play this sport and it's 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 really uh i suppose that's a life lesson as well i shared it i shared it with my kids because i think it's really uh you know it, it is part of it sometimes we 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 allow uh things like losses you know overcome us and no be grateful for what you have but you've got to come out and and you've got to make it happen uh, you know and not everybody survives Gio Savarese yeah. a friend of both of ours uh, was sacked by the Portland Timbers with a heavy heart out there I mean they you know Neb Grabovoy who's with the New York City FC as a player early on is now the general manager and he was he was the guy that had to tell um you know Gio. Gio that I'm sorry, we're going to make a change. And Miles Joseph, another friend of ours who was Jason Christ's assistant uh, here with New York City FC, is going to take over on an interim basis. And I have been told that, you know, he's going to be given a chance to um, win the job. So how it goes goes down the stretch will be really important uh, for Miles. So here's something that that happened today. And I, I want your take on this because you look at everything from a coach's standpoint as well. Right. So there, there was a during practice, there was a prominent player. I'm not going to name names right now. There was a prominent player who played a really lazy pass to somebody who was wide open and missed him by five yards. OK. And the ball just went out. And one of the dads that, that are here and we have a lot of dads uh, that, that come around, that some, come around some here. Teenagers uh, in the program. And, yeah. yeah and, and some of the, you know, some of them on the first drive. team. Right. <laughs> and, and, and we started to talk and he said, see, now back in my country. Okay, that that he said he wouldn't play. I said if if he he wouldn't play at all, they would have they would have said something to him on the field. They would have yelled at him on the field. And then, you know, he would have paid a price for for that sort of thing, because you can't do that in a practice and you got to teach him a lesson. And then next time he won't do that thing. There's so many different schools of thoughts on on how you get up, how you get the best out of a player. Okay, so for some coaches and old school coaches, it could be that you stop a practice and you scold somebody and you put that sort of pressure on them. But there's also different ways of doing things like that, which you can speak to him afterwards if you think that he's not doing well. But you're or you're answering your own question. Right. But I well, think, I just uh, want your way here with. Yeah. Well, but I, I want your take on this. All as we saw in Philadelphia. Right. Titus Magno was uh, left off, the, was left off the uh, the 18, which is now no longer 18, but we call it that uh, was left off the 18 because he had a really poor uh, week of uh, practice. And that was a message that was sent. So what's your take on do, on doing those things? Yeah. Do you stop a practice and, and, and scold somebody if you think that they're not doing what they're supposed to do or if you expect better from them or do you wait, you, talk to them? What do you do? You do that. If you know that individual will respond to that and that's the thing. And I think that's where coaching has evolved, you know, and the old school men or women, you know, might think, um, 
less of this, but it's really getting to know each player individually and knowing how to get them to respond. I, you know, Bill Parcells knew how to do it with the Giants. Yeah. He would hug some guys and then he would crucify others. And you you have to know, uh, you know, who you can call out in front of the team and who you need to pull aside, you know, during the water break or who you need to meet afterwards away from everybody. So they're not, you know, you're, it's not, you know, they don't think that you're, you're singling them out. And it really is the way to go because we're all constructed differently. We were all raised differently. You right. know, you, your parents raised you a certain way. My parents raised me a certain way. I had a, a certain environment in grade school and high school. I mean, Everybody comes from such a, a, a different environment, some different countries, d- different backgrounds, d- different socioeconomic. I mean, it's just there are so many uh, aspects of this. So you, that's where coaches have really their jobs have been be, been made a little bit more difficult, but I think more effective if they take the time to get to know each individual the best they can. So then they can get the best response out of them. So the old school of thought was you treat everybody equally, but at the end of the day, you really can't because not everybody treat, is going to. But you're respond. still treating them equally. You're just you're 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 providing criticism in a different you know, a different way. It's not like you're favoring one over the other. You're not going to favor one, uh, you know, to start this guy because, you know, you're able to, I don't know, be able to thrash him in front of everyone. I, I think the, I, I do, I, I, I've done this before and, you know, many people know I coach Carly Lloyd. I made a deal with her once because I was just, I, I wasn't happy with the team. And I said, Carly, uh, at training today, you could it might be your best training in the history of yourself as a player, but I'm going to hammer you on this, this and this. I'm, and I want you to allow me to do it and look me in the eye and say, yes, coach or yes, Glenn. And people will observe that and it'll it'll cause a response to the team. So you could also make little deals with yeah, players too you if you want yeah. before before you start. You know, there's a. The, the because you may be trying to send a message to somebody else and yeah. you don't want to call them out in person, per se, at that point, then you think that the most effective way of being able to get to somebody else or to the group in general is like take the principal player and ream them. I coached this player once who was a former national team player. It was in a, it was up at Lake Placid. Soccer America used to host this uh, Dawn Before Dark Festival. And they played on the uh, 1980 rink. Okay. Right? Put a carpet down. It was excellent. It was so much fun to play. And then I would always coach a team. And this one particular player, it was halftime, and this particular player was, it was just having a nightmare, just giving the ball away, whatever, you name it, it was happening. But as I was exp- as I was reviewing it at halftime, I made eye contact with this person several times, but I never used the name mm-hmm. in front of the team. And this young lady came back and said to me later, she goes, that you know, and I learned from that moment. I mean, I I, I did it purposely, but she said, I, I have so, you know, I really respect the way you went at that because everybody knew it was me effing up. Everyone knew you were kind of talking to me, but you never like you never like directed it at me and and and, and criticized me in front of everyone. And I just remember now that. Here's, but here's something important: that that person 
was self-aware enough to be able to understand the message. And not everybody is as self-aware as that person was. Well, to the be eye able contact to was the key. The yeah. eye contact no, was obviously. the key. Yeah, yeah right. But there, yeah. there, there are other people that take it personally. Is that there's all sorts of personalities, and as you mentioned before, different ways of being raised and how they absorb information and uh, how much criticism they're, they're able to take. Because there are a lot of people that can take criticism very well, although it be constructive. Yeah. Well, um, that all stemmed from um, talking about Gio Savarese. And, uh, you know, we feel bad for him. Robin Frazier, Colorado, um, uh, loses uh, um, again 4 0 this time to, to LAFC. And, you know, a lot of people ask you about Nick Cushing, the head coach for New York City FC, who we're both close to. And, you know, this is part of our job. You know, we, we, we come up, we talk to him each week. We, we see him on the road and have some great conversations. And, uh, you know, the reality is, is that one win in 16, um, is not good enough, but you don't have to tell him that you don't have to tell anybody in, in, in the club that, uh, and whether he's in any sort of issue, we have no indication that that's the case. I, I would think at this point, no matter what, they'll, He'll get through the year, and then there'll be some sort of an evaluation. They, uh, when they evaluate, when you know? they evaluate Nick, they've got to evaluate everything that they did from the top down. Okay, yeah, because sure. th th this was an incomplete team. They 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 bet on the fact that they were going to convert Tylus Magno into a nine, the same way that they did with Tati Castellanos. They're not the same person. It didn't work, and they got caught short. Right, because there was nobody else. They brought. In I don't Gabe know if it's one hundred percent that because I, well, I think they were. I mean, that's the thing that's wrong, right? I mean, that was no, the main. But, but I mean, was it was the main problem. But this it year. wasn't like they weren't looking at strikers. Well, uh, they couldn't prior, bring in, but could, they, they, they couldn't, couldn't bring one in. They, but, right. So but there are strikers available. Other teams were able to bring strikers in. Uh, that's understood, but that every situation is different. And but I don't think you can say that they banked on Tylus Magno being the nine. I, I, well, I what have was to plan B. They were not banking on. Magno be, being able to convert into a nine. Okay, so what was plan B? Plan B was to try to, through the uh, primary transfer window, get yourself a striker within the budgetary rules, the guy you really wanted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't happen. It, right. So, yeah. well, it's not banking on Magno. It's like they didn't get the striker. It didn't work out. Yeah. How is that banking on Magno? Well, they didn't bring anybody in. All right. Well, they tried. Okay. Well, Gabe, Gabe Siegel, and, and, you know, Gabe Siegel was given an opportunity and actually scored a couple of big goals, correct? Yes, he did. You know, two late goals to uh, – so two of the points, you know, if, if Siegel doesn't score those goals, New York City's eight points out of a playoff berth. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you got you got to look at it that way, right? Orlando was one. What was the other? Was it Atlanta? Uh, no. No, uh, Columbus. Columbus. Columbus, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, no, no, Col no, no Columbus, Columbus was Hack. Hack scored the uh, Hack had the, uh, the they, goal that Columbus. Was it. Well, well, I forget Orlando which one really. and there was one more and another game. I can't remember which one he scored. <laughs> I can't. My memory. All right, gone. Shane. Hey, guess what, Shane? It's time to kick it around, man. You know what my favorite part of that is. No. Okay, so it's this. The way that they mix the sound and in headphones, it sounds freaking awesome. It does. So uh, so please listen to uh, NYCFC Views with professional yes, headphones so that you get, the, you get the full effect of the music. Well, uh, it has to start off with uh, Lionel Messi. I, uh, um, this is funny because I, I, you know, every now and then I, I ask my wife, hey, watch a game with me. 
because she's not, generally speaking, she's not going to turn on the TV to watch a soccer match. That's just the way it is. So I say, hey, you, come on, let's sit down and let's watch Messi. So at 2 nil, she was like, what's going on? <laughs> I go, that is 2 nil down. I said, well, let's, we still have to hang in there with it. It's only 55 minutes gone by. And sure enough, uh, it ends 3-3 through overtime. PKs, Messi steps up, makes his to get them off to a good start. And here we go again. And he didn't score any goals. And no, he only stopped had, him. He had two, I guess, probably two chances created by anything he did. And both of them were goals. Yeah, two uh, par- pinpoint oh, perfect goodness. crosses on uh, Campagna. Campana. Yeah. Not Campagna. It's Campana? No okay. It's Campana. Well, I've heard That's it different ways. Well, I'm telling you, it's Campana. Right. It's not Campania. I had to correct my son on this yesterday, and then he kept on hammering. Are you sure there's not a little trust, I, There's not a city I, over the end? Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Uh, okay. Trust me. All right. Trust me. I do okay. this for a living. I am a, prof- <laughs> I I am a, tra- I am a trained professional <laughs> yeah, in the okay. language of Spanish. Very good. Yes, It's you are. Campana. All right. Anyway, so. Uh, Ecuadorian, right? Yes, he is. And he gets it from the Argentinians. That's nice that those two, it was nice. those two but countries got was together. That now you know. you're asking your wife to come watch his game, and this yeah. is the, the worst game that Messi played, mind you, because he barely got the ball. And, well, he and couldn't move. He and couldn't Busquets, move. Was, Busquets, well, Busquets was walking was around. Hilarious. Was, Busquets was hilarious. How they didn't remove him from the game is beyond me because for the, for the overtime especially, there's just no way he should have been out there. He couldn't move. It and was, he's like so tall and langly. He almost looked like he was on, uh, it was like a, he was a marionette being moved around the field or something. That's the, the the amazing part about this game is is a club like Cincinnati that's normally secure with a lead. I mean, that's uh, if you had to point to anything uh, uh, yeah. that they're very um, certain of is is how they defend with a lead. So they give up the two nil lead, and then Miami goes up three two in overtime and uh, extra Kubo time. Was a great overtime, <laughs> yeah, extra, extra time. They both were, and then uh, yeah, and then Kubo uh, gets it. But, but he, was the only, he was their only hope at that point. But by the, the way. whole, but the whole time, I say for, to me, I, I don't know how you saw it, but like the last twenty minutes of regulation overtime, they. Miami was dragging. It just looked like yeah. inev- inevitable that they were going to, uh, you they, know, they, maybe give up, give up the lead for good. At I, some I, point. Th- I, I was sort of surprised that Messi got the ball. I mean, if I if I was going to do anything, I'd be like, man, mark him out of the game, make sure he doesn't get the ball. But they didn't do that. And then Cincinnati gave up a lot of the ball because once they lost Brandon, once they took out Brandon Vasquez and especially Lucho Acosta, then they really stopped, you know, they didn't have the ball. And then they were just, you know, hoping to get counterattacks. And I have to say that it was one of probably the worst performances I've ever seen in a game in MLS. But Sergio Santos was brutal last night. He was absolutely brutal. There was He had so many chances to be able to do something, and then he would react late. It didn't seem like he put in a full effort, like he wouldn't run, or if the ball was five yards in front of him and Messi had the ball, he wouldn't run to try to track him down. And I was like, I guess at one point, I think I texted you, and I was like, will he run? And then he had this one great play on the yeah. on the counterattack, and instead of taking the shot, which is what he should have done, he decides to cross the ball to Kubo when there's two defenders there, and of course the ball got intercepted. That was Take a- the shot, let the Goalie make a save. Maybe he leaves a Poor rebound, decision. and I, then Kubo know. can shoot. Well, I mean, God, I don't, it was I, awful. He was I don't awful. have the same negative energy towards Brutal. him, but it, you know, it was uh, it was not terrible. It was not his best game, but and neither for Messi. But who now? Nice Messi has thirteen goal contributions 
in eight matches. But Not he's put at seven starts and full 90s and one reserve appearance. Now, here's the deal. So yeah, you have to ask yourself at some point. Uh, well, here was Messi near the end of the game. Here, Can we see? Uh, let's show that picture of Messi uh, as the game. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't even stand up straight. This it is, is be, amazing. He, this that is he's before he's played. taken his penalty. And uh, this was in uh, some point during the overtime. So, so here's the thing, right? The, the guy <laughs> I mean, barely had a preseason, right? And it, by the second game, he was playing 90 minutes. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I mean, he. I mean, we know he walks a lot during the game, and that's fine. He's allowed to walk all he wants during the game, and everybody else around him can run. They did this with Valderrama. They did this with a whole bunch of players. This is not anything new, right? You give him the ball, and all of a sudden, and he has energy to for sure. left over. And that's part of the discussion, Roberto, about – you know, because we've heard we've heard along the way, it's like, wow, you know, Messi wants to always finish a match. So if he yeah. starts a match, he wants to finish a match. But what about the analytics, the data, the GPS, all that? Uh, and, and, and part of the narrative has been, well, he doesn't have that many explosive moves during the course of a match at least from what I've seen. Well, did, and you, we can't see everything off the ball. So but so but again, when you're standing, yeah. you're generating you're generating data. I mean, you're using energy when you stand, when you walk, you're doing that too. So it's not, if you're on your feet um, and, and obviously he's involved in some collisions and things like that, but maybe just maybe because he's not logging the same sort of acceleration as other players, he can play more consecutive games, even if he's not a hundred percent fit. Well, the One of the things that was very interesting, and I, this is on Twitter the other day, somebody uh, tr was, was clocking him and said that, his speed without the ball, okay, is less than the speed when he has the ball. He actually runs faster with the ball than he does on a full <laughs> it sprint looks that without way too, it. I guess, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's amazing. It is just absolutely that ball is attached. amazing. And he doesn't so, have to run as much as other people to be effective. And people have to understand that. This isn't just about running all the time. And look, you know, I ran five miles. He only ran two. Yeah, but he put up three goals and put up two assists and – uh that's what he did, because he doesn't need to. So here's so here's the question. I don't know if you saw my tweet this morning, uh, Roberto, but it uh, and I do not have it to show. I apologize for that. I could have been more prepared here. But it said something to do with the effect. Wouldn't it be a kick in the arse if at Red Bull Arena on Saturday in his first Major League Soccer match, Messi or his team's first Major League Soccer match since he arrived, yeah. uh, is at Red Bull Arena against the New York Red Bulls. Here is the quote from Tata Martino, head coach Inter Miami, last night after overtime and penalties in the U.S. Open Cup semi with Inter Miami advancing. Quote, we've played eight games. It's clear that Leo, that's Lionel Messi, like many other players, is arriving at an important physical limit. From today on, we will begin to evaluate how to handle, at minimum, the next three games. I mean, do you, do you think there's a chance that he will not be in the starting 11 against the Red Bulls yeah. on Saturday night? I do. And my goodness. and this is But this is the dilemma all over the country. These but people have elected to pay a lot of money for tickets, yeah. and there's going to be some games he either plays a little or not at all.
I don't know if he won't play any games at all. I, I think that he'll be in every match. I think that Tata Martino has every right to protect him physically because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to kill the goose that lays the golden eggs. Yeah. So uh, you've got to make sure that he, that he's a hundred percent because not not only just from a marketing perspective, obviously, but for more importantly, for competitive reasons, you want you want to win games. They know that they they're in a very hard position and they basically have to win out. Uh, for the rest of the season, and you want to be able to do that, and your best chance to do that is having a healthy Messi. You can't, you know, allow him How? at what thirty-five years old, you know, 36. to or thirty-six to you know r- run himself and then get you know no, pull a hammy or something like no, that. No, no, that's you exactly. You, them, so. These are soft tissue injuries yeah. waiting to happen because, and they almost always happen, almost always in the tail end of games. I would you know when think. you're when you're pushing yourself when you're, you're making that last last stretch to get to something because you 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 just can't get to it in the same manner. But I, again, you know, go ahead. I, I I think that if they didn't play overtime, right? And Messi played the entire overtime. If they didn't play overtime, I think there was a good chance that you'll see Messi for 45 minutes and they'll come in in the second half. But now that they did, I have a feeling that Messi's coming on 60 plus i'd be shocked if he starts i'd be absolutely shocked if he starts i'd be surprised if he plays 45 i see him as a 30 minute a 30 minute appearance and and that's and that because they played the- wednesday saturdays if it was wednesday sunday then maybe it's a different story but sure. you know and yeah. we're, we're no, that extra day about means, it here yeah, yeah, it means yeah. a ton of course but, you know you, you and I feel bad for people who bought tickets for Red Bulls and all that. But look, they, they uh, you know, you're paying money to see a team, you know, whoever the players are, the players are, and they have a right, you know, to protect them. So, you know, and I know that tickets are 300 and change right now um, and up. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You and I won't be there because we're going to be in Cincinnati. I know. I, I'm not disappointed, but I when I saw 26 i immediately looked at the new york city schedule where are we we're in cincinnati so we won't be able to go and cover the game like we have sometimes but i already saw him in philly see i already went down to philadelphia and saw him in the the game against philly oh well you're you're a better man than me i i think i was more comfortable uh watching from uh my bed (laughs) and yeah you might have been yeah yeah i got a prime seat in the press box i was quite excited no very good, Roberto. All right. Well, there's one other. Uh, there's a player. If you haven't seen this guy, uh, and I remember being disappointed when uh, New York City went to Houston and Karaskia. Uh, Karaskia. Uh, well, Karaskia. Karaskia. I'll call him Karaskia. No, okay. God. Thank you. But anyway, he's a uh, he's this wonderful midfielder. And I, 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 you know, he's the kind of player to me. Maybe he won't be long for MLS. But if you if you get a chance to see this guy play, he's he's worth the price of admission. He's very good. And uh, and he'll be it'll be him against uh, Messi. And uh, come uh, September, is that the 27th? When is the I, I think that's right. I think it's September 27th, which is going to be three days before. Uh, and that's going to be at, at Drive Pink. And three mm. days later at Drive Pink, it's New York City at Inner Miami. So that's yeah. going to be interesting, too, that uh, no matter what the result of that game, um, New York City will have a, a little bit of the edge because uh, Miami will be coming off this big uh, U.S. Open Cup final. Yeah, and the thing is uh, that Carrasquilla isn't long for this league. He's really good. Uh, there's a lot of interest already in him in Europe. So, uh, it, it seems that, um, he will, uh, this is going to be his last year in MLS. 
He's worth the price of admission. He really is. He's really good. Between him and Hector Herrera, make a really nice dynamic mi midfield for uh, Houston. Pardon the pun. I really didn't mean that. <laughs> hey, one final thing. I, I wanted to show this photo of myself and Alex Chilowitz, who's, uh, yeah. Where are you, Alex? There he is. So we're in Hoboken. He was staying at the W because he was the fourth official for New York City's game against Minnesota at City Field uh, on Sunday. And I've become friends with Alex. And I think uh, I don't know what people think of him. He's done over 100 games in the middle as a referee in MLS. and uh, But I've always liked him for another quality he has. He's a legit, accomplished composer and musician. He plays the saxophone. He was part of the compositions for the last three Star Wars movies. I don't know how many Star Wars movies there are. I've only seen the first now. one, and uh, but so he's uh, and he's he's doing things on Broadway, uh, he's doing things in London. So he's a really uh, really neat guy. And that uh, thank you, Shane, Shane, our producer here, and uh, me and Alex and uh, I like he he's one. I interviewed him on my Series XM show. That's I where remember. I really got to know. And the thing that really stood out to what he said is that he t he talks to the players in a way where. Um, like he brought up Dax McCarty. He said Dax surprised him uh, uh, at a game once when he said, hey, Alex, called him by his first name. Mm -hmm. And then Alex talked to Dax later. He said, do you think it's OK if I call people uh, players by their first name? He goes, I think they would like that. It would help with the communication. Yeah. So he's done that ever since. So uh, since we brought up Dax McCarty, guess what he did after Nashville lost to Inter Miami uh, in League's Cup? He did this. He exchanged jerseys with Messi, and he wrote the message. What does it say? The night wasn't a total loss, <laughs> and he got a lot of heat on social media for this. Not from his team or anything like that, but uh, keyboard warriors, as we like to call yeah. them. All right. So did you see uh, Lucho Acosta got the jersey last night in the trade uh, Cincinnati? You've got young Cincinnati players. They're, they're getting selfies with Messi after they lose. I, you know, I don't know what to say about all that stuff. I, I don't always know how I feel about, you know. It sort of has it's, the it's, appearance of not being great at the same time. I don't doubt for an instant that they gave everything that they had on the field to try to win the game. And that's really what I look for. All the other things are right. just semantics. I mean, just go, go yeah, out. Compete, give everything. everything. That's right. Trust me, they would have been a hell of a lot happier taking his shirt and taking selfies with him if they had won. I wonder who gets the shirt on September the 30th. Will it be Maxi Morales? There's more than one Argentine. Probably, I, would, I would say it's probably going to be Maxi. Okay. We'll ask him that before, see if he's going to put yeah. the fight in for that. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us. We will be back soon uh, after the uh, next game. It's uh, New York City at FC Cincinnati. It'll be on the New York City FC Network, Spanish and English, coming up on uh, Saturday evening. And uh, Monday will be our tentative time where we'll uh, come back with you here on NYCFC Views and uh, review uh, that game and whatever else we uh, we'll we can, see. We can I have manage. jury duty. I have no time. I'm oh, that's getting right. Out. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Okay. So we got to see what time I can get well, out. Well, you get out at five o'clock, right? So we'll just well, do it well, in the we'll early see. evening. Well, we'll see. Yes. And then Tuesday, we're taking my son, by the way. We're going to be in Jersey. We're going to go to Edison, New Jersey, Top Golf for uh, his birthday. We're going to oh, celebrate with all his friends. That's a great place. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to be there uh, Top Golf on, on Tuesday. It should be a lot of fun. I might come up. I might make an appearance. Oh, that would be great. You're welcome. Please come thank you
Thank you. Absolutely. You're invited now. Anything with golf, I like. All yeah, right. I know. So, despite <laughs> the fact that I'm going to be there, you'd want to go. I get that. <laughs> exactly. Well, I get to see Eddie. All right. For Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. Enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.